Democrats compete for attention on CNN. The media downplays Sri Lanka. And Nancy Pelosi plays footsie with impeachment. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, man. Last night was a smorgasbord of various smorgasbord, smorgasbord of various Democratic candidates on CNN, all sort of looking kind of terrible. And we'll get to all of that in just one second. First, let's talk about that hideous suit that you've been wearing around for the last three years. I know you got it off the rack. I know it was too expensive, but you shouldn't have done that. Instead, what you need to do from here on in, at least get this thing solved, you need to go over to Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements, for an unparalleled fit and comfort. If you are in the middle of planning a wedding, they have tons of options for people who are looking to outfit their wedding party. I love the wide selection of high quality fabrics and colors to choose from, not to mention the option to personalize the details, including your lapel, lining, pockets, buttons, monogram. Here's how it works. You can visit a stylist at one of their showrooms because Indochino has over 40 showrooms in North America. It will take your measurements personally, or you can measure at home and shop online at Indochino.com. You choose your fabric inside and out. You design the customizations, and then you submit the measurements with the choices online and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you, and mailed to you in just a couple of, we- of weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just 379 bucks at Indochino.com when you enter Shapiro at checkout. That is 50% off the regular price. Shipping is free. Indochino.com, promo code Shapiro for any premium suit for just 379 bucks. free shipping. Incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Okay, you're going to look like James Bond without having to spend James Bond prices. Once you go custom, you don't go back. Check out Indochino.com, promo code Shapiro. Okay, so last night was a big night on CNN because there was a town hall event and a variety of Democratic candidates made appearances on this town hall event. Ooh, it was exciting. Ooh, it was wonderful. Ooh, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying because the fact is that when you look at the Democratic Party right now, there's only one thought leader, one and he's an octogenarian socialist loon bag from Vermont who has never passed a significant piece of legislation and was so lazy that in the 1970s he was kicked out of a commune. That guy is their thought leader. Let's have some theme music. I think y'all know who I'm talking about. That's right, it's Bernard McSanders. So Senator Bernie Sanders is obviously the thought leader of the Democratic Party. He's leading in the polls right now. He's pulled even, basically, with Joe Biden, who has yet to declare Biden expected to put out some sort of video declaration later this week. To win the nomination, all you have to do is not be a crazy person at this point. But all the Democrats are firmly convinced that Twitter is real life and that the extreme edge of their party is representative of the mainstream of their party. And so Bernie Sanders, with his 25% base, seems to be the guy who's leading Democrats over a cliff. For every crazy thing that he says, there are a bunch of Democrats who will mirror it. It really is an astonishing thing. And it's reminiscent of 2016, when President Trump would say something that was pretty extreme and other Republicans would rush to follow suit or they would rush to pretend that he was right about it. So, for example, on trade, President Trump would come out against the Trans-Pacific Partnership. He'd talk about how trade deals were really bad. And suddenly all the Republicans would rush to surround him. You hear the patter of their little feet. Trump would walk over here. He'd stomp over there. And then you heard, and there were all the Republicans following him. Well, it's the same thing right now with Bernie Sanders. Bernie says something loony and all the Democrats rush to follow him. So last night's example of Bernie saying something incredibly, incredibly loony is he was talking about his proposal to let people in prison vote. Now, this proposal is asinine in the extreme. It's asinine because if you're in prison, you have not paid your debt to society yet. There's an argument to be made that when you get out of prison, 
that you should be able to vote because now you have paid your debt to society. And if we don't want people voting when they get out of prison or participating in normal life when they get out of prison, maybe they shouldn't be out of prison. If you're afraid they're dangerous or that they have not paid their debt to society, then perhaps we should keep them there. But if you believe that somebody went to jail for shoplifting or somebody went to jail for securities fraud and now they've served 10 years, 15 years for securities fraud and they get out and they should never be allowed to vote again, right? If you're Dinesh D'Souza and you went to jail for some sort of campaign finance violation, a federal violation, can you vote or not? It seems like there's an argument to be made. I'm not super warm on the argument, but at least there's a logical argument to be made that once you have paid your debt to society and you get out, now you get to vote. Bernie Sanders is going even further. He wants people who are in prison to vote. Number one, they should not vote because they are wards of the state. If you're a ward of the state, you should not be able to vote. That is because you have an inherent interest in maximizing the power of the state and the benefits of the state and legislators who will give you what you want. Amanda, let's put it this way. Using the Kantian imperative, if we took this rule and extended it out, outright to the rest of society, if every person in the if only prisoners voted, let's say that only prisoners voted in the United States, do you think that the world would be better or worse? What do you think they would do with the criminal law? What do you think they would do with social benefits? Do you think the United States would be a better place or a worse place? So we take the worst people in our society, people so bad, we remove them from our society and put them behind bars, and then we give them the right to vote. This is Bernie Sanders' proposal, and he has asked a logical question by Ann Carlstein, who is a student at Harvard University, who asks him, um, how about like the Boston bomber? You want him voting too? And Bernie, being Bernie, cannot help himself. You have said that you believe that people with felony records should be allowed to vote while in prison. Does this mean that you would support enfranchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted terrorist and murderer? If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Okay, so that's an insane answer. So we remove your right to freedom. We remove your right to engage in commerce. But the right to vote is so sacrosanct that people who are evil, vicious murderers should be able to vote. Who are in prison right now. And let me remind you, he is talking about some of the worst people on planet Earth. I just have to recall here what actually happened at the Boston Marathon bombing. At the Boston Marathon bombing, the bomber, it was two brothers, the bomber who actually planted the bomb at the Boston Marathon bombing took a backpack filled with a bomb and he placed it about two feet away from an eight-year-old boy. He placed it two feet away from an eight-year-old boy, killed the boy on the spot, the boy bled out in front of his parents, blew the leg off his sister. Bernie Sanders thinks that person should have a say in the future of the United States because that's what a vote is. It's a say in the future of the United States. Bernie Sanders believes, how vicious do you have to be to believe that these people should have a say in the future of the United States? How much must you think? It, 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 it's so self-contradictory in a variety of ways. One, you must think that America is a pretty horrible place, that people who are the worst among us should have a say in what happens to the future of the country, that somehow they've been oppressed or something. I mean, what exactly is the justification here? And secondly, how vicious as a person must you be to ignore the evil that somebody commits in order to say that that person should be able to vote on what happens to the family of the person whose kid they murdered. That's what a vote is, after all. So they get to decide policy by which the person whose child they murder lives. It's insane. The father of that young boy, Martin Richard, talked about, talked about his son in the middle of the trial 
he, he described what happened. That was not the only person who was killed in the Boston Marathon bombing. Two other people, 29-year-old Crystal Campbell and 23-year-old Lingzi Liu, were also killed. 260 people were injured in the attack, people who lost legs, people who lost arms, people who were, who were hit in the head. The father addressed the court back in 2015, describing what happened. They ducked into a Ben & Jerry's for ice cream and then found a spot to watch the runners near the finish line. There's a photograph showing the Richard family as they watched the race. Martin had climbed on the metal crowd barrier to get a better look. His family didn't know that, know that just then, seen in the same photograph, an arm's length away was the bomber allegedly dropping a backpack with the bomb inside. It went off a few minutes later. Their daughter, Jane, lost her leg. Martin was killed outright. He said, I saw a little boy who had his body severely damaged by an explosion. I just knew from what I saw that there was no chance. He was eight years old. Bernie Sanders, yeah, why not? He should vote. Just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean that he shouldn't vote. It's truly incredible. Now, as we will see, as we will see, other Democrats like Lemmings are following Bernie Sanders over this cliff. He was not the only person to be asked this question last night. And all the other Democrats are so afraid of Bernie Sanders' support base that they decide that they are going to just trail him right off that cliff. Even the most moderate Democrats are making the case that if you're a murderer and you get out of prison, then you should be allowed to vote. They're not making exceptions for so I said earlier that if you get out of prison for like securities fraud, maybe you should be able to vote. I feel like if you kill somebody, you should not be able to vote. I feel like if you rape somebody, your right to vote is gone. You, there, there are certain, but those are also crimes where I feel you should be in jail the rest of your life. I don't think that you should serve 10 years for murder. I think you should serve the rest of your life for murder. I don't think you should be five years for rape. I think that if we have a, a forcible rape that is found, statutory rape is a little bit different because you may have a 19-year-old and a 14-year-old, for example, that's a problem. It's not quite the same thing as a 19-year-old forcibly raping a 14-year-old. That's why the law makes a distinction. They're both evil. There are gradations of evil. But those, there are certain gradations of evil beyond which, even if you get out of prison, I don't think that you should vote. We'll get to that in just a second. But the Democrats, there were some Democrats last night who even went so far as to say that they would consider Bernie Sanders' proposal to let the Boston Marathon bomber vote. It's truly incredible. I want to finish with Bernie and then we'll move on to these other candidates because what you're going to see is Bernie says something and the rest of the Democrats follow him. And this is why Bernie right now is the front runner. Now, maybe that changes when Joe Biden jumps in the race, but only if Joe Biden is willing to stand up for his own record. If Joe Biden feels the necessity to also apologize for his moderation, if Joe Biden feels the necessity to apologize for his tough on crime record in the 90s or for his opposition to forced busing, which was bad policy, it was bad policy, it was failed policy in the 1970s. If Joe Biden feels the necessity to run away from the only palatable parts of his record in order to try and cater to Bernie Sanders' base, Bernie walks away with the nomination. Because if you're gonna, if you're gonna go extreme, you go extreme. If you're gonna drink this whiskey, you drink it straight. You don't mix it. That's what Democratic Party voters are thinking right now. We'll get to more Bernie in just one second. First, there are a lot of things in life that aren't right. You can put carpet in your shower, screen doors on submarines, helicopters with ejector seats. And there are lots of bad ideas in life. Well. One of those bad ideas is overpaying for wireless. With Mint Mobile, you can cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. They've reimagined wireless, making it easy and online only, which means they can pass significant savings directly to you. You can save like a thousand bucks a year with Mint Mobile without sacrificing quality service. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. You can keep your old number along with all your existing contacts with Mint Mobile. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Stop paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. 
Ditch your old wireless bill. Start saving right now with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Ben. That's M-I-N-T mobile.com slash Ben. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. Get free shipping on your Mint Mobile plan at mintmobile.com slash Ben. That is mintmobile.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so as I say, Bernie Sanders leading the way. And Bernie Sanders sort of trying to run away from the fact that he's a communist, at least he was in his past, and sort of not. So, for example, he was asked about his democratic socialism last night. He says, no, my democratic socialism is nothing like Russian communism. No, very, very different. My father's family left Soviet Russia in 1979, fleeing from some of the very same socialist policies that you seem eager to implement in this country. So my question is, how do you rectify your notion of democratic socialism with the failures of socialism in nearly every country that has tried it? Is it your assumption that I supported or believe in authoritarian communism that existed in the Soviet Union? I don't. I never have, and I opposed it. What democratic socialism means to me is we expand Medicare, we provide educational opportunity to all Americans, we rebuild our crumbling infrastructure. In other words, government serves the needs of all people rather than just wealthy campaign contributors. So this is his story now, is that he likes Norway and Denmark. That wasn't his story back in the 1970s and the 1980s when he was mayor of Burlington, Vermont. Then he full out endorsed communism. He endorsed breadlines. He endorsed nationalization of major industries. He honeymooned in the Soviet Union. So, yeah, you did used to believe that. And as you'll see, it gets very awkward for Bernie when he's called on this. I remember, for some reason or other, being very excited when, when Fidel Castro made the revolution in Cuba. I was a kid and I remember reading that. And it was just seemed right and appropriate that poor people were rising up against rather ugly rich people. You know, as, as a socialist, the word socialism does not frighten me. And I think it's probably fair to say that the Nicaraguan government is primarily a socialist government. You may recall way back in, when was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. That all the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They had forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same way. Okay, that's amazing. That's amazing. So there he is endorsing outright communist revolutions across South America. Again, he, so he, he, there's video of him shirtless singing in the Soviet Union. He talked about how bread lines are good because at the end of the lines you get bread. So he was asked about that last night by Chris Cuomo who asks him, okay, so you say that you're just for democratic socialism, but in the past you've talked about large-scale nationalization of industry. And listen as Bernie refuses to answer the question. You used to argue that you should have government control of the means of capitalism, oh. uh, energy companies, factories, When did I say banks, that? In the 70s. Okay. I said what I said. And that is, I want to live in a nation in which all people in the wealthiest nation in the history of the world can have a decent standard of living. We can do what other nations in the world are already doing. I mean, the ideas that I'm advocating for you tonight, you know, they're not so radical. I believe in a nation in which we guarantee fundamental economic rights, basic necessities of life to all of our people. Oh, okay, so he's just gonna avoid that question. So, no, he said what he said, and I sort of agreed with what I said, but I'm not going to say that out loud. I'm going to pretend I didn't say it, but I did say it, and I still think it, kind of. Well done, Bernie Sanders. Now, as you'll see, a normal Democratic Party would go, that dude crazy, and they would run the other way. But that is not this Democratic Party. No, indeed. So the next candidate up is, of course, Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris is seen by many people as sort of the, the 
silent front runner, that she really is the front runner, but she has not emerged from the pack as of yet. The reason that she is, of course, the front runner is because she is a black woman. She has no other qualifications. She's a senator, just like Kirsten Gillibrand or Amy Klobuchar. No one's talking about them. They're only talking about Kamala Harris because she is a minority woman as opposed to just a white woman. And that means that she must be special. So let's play some Kamala Harris music right here. Kamala Harris, as we all know, is a little unpopular with her own base because she was attorney general of the state of California. And even though she was very soft on crime, if you're even a little hard on crime in the Democratic Party, this makes her life not all that wonderful. So Harris is trying to run away from her own record there. And she is following Bernie Sanders directly off that cliff. So if you think back about 10 minutes, about 10 minutes ago, we talked about Bernie Sanders saying that the Boston Marathon bomber should be able to vote. Kamala Harris has asked the same question. Listen to her blow this one. The right to vote is inherent to our democracy, yes, even for terrible people. Do you agree with that, Senator? I agree that the right to vote is one of the very important components of citizenship. And it is something that people should, um, should not be stripped of needlessly, which is why I have been long an advocate of making sure that the formerly incarcerated are not denied a right to vote. People who are in... Convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. I think we should have that conversation. God, she's such a terrible candidate. At least Bernie Sanders just says, yes, I think we should. I think we should study it. I think we should have a conversation. I think we should have a conversation means no, but I'm too cowardly to say so. It means I'm a coward, so I'm not actually going to say yes. I'm scared of my own base, so I won't just give them a straight answer, which is amazing. How are Democrats so afraid that their own base is in favor of the, marathon, the Boston Marathon bomber voting? Do they think that there is a hue and cry among Democratic voters in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin? We must let the Boston Marathon bomber vote. Like what in the actual hell? Do they think there are millions and millions of Democrats who are like, yeah, we, we need to let murderers vote. It, it's a high priority, guys. We've got to let murderers vote. The fact that Kamala Harris thinks that Bernie Sanders, that his heart is where the Democratic Party's heart is, demonstrates what you need to know about the modern Democratic Party. Harris, by the way, is not averse to top-down control either. What she had to say about guns last night is maybe the scariest thing any of the candidates had to say, including Bernie Sanders suggesting that terrorists should vote. Kamala Harris suggested that she is simply going, if she were elected president, she is simply going to ban guns from the, from the Oval Office. She's just going to run roughshod over the Constitution. This supposedly is a lawyer. Upon being elected... I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. And specifically what I will do is put in place a requirement that for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they are required to do background checks when they sell those guns. Okay, so she is, first of all, falsifying a lot of law here, but also... What gives her the authority to do this? The Constitution does not work like this. Now, to be fair to Harris, this has now happened with two straight presidents. Barack Obama said, I can't get my immigration deal. Therefore, I'm just going to do what I want. Therefore, I'm just going to declare that all dreamers are here legally. And I'm going to move forward as though everyone was fine with that. Because what the hell? I'm going to do what I want to do. And then Donald Trump did the same exact thing with regard to appropriating money for his wall. He argued with Congress. There was a government shutdown over it. He did not get his money. And now he says he's going to declare a national emergency and shift the money from one area to another area. Well, he could have done that right away, supposedly, according to Trump, if he had the inherent authority to do so. 
He didn't really think he had the inherent authority to do so. He expanded executive authority to do that. And as we said, if you're Kamala Harris or any other Democrat, you feel there are no limits to executive power. The legislature has done a, has done a terrible, terrible job of maintaining its own control of the purse strings of the power in American government. The way government is supposed to work is if Congress says no, no is the answer. Government does not work like my five-year-old with me and my wife, where you go to one and you ask the question. And if they say no, you go to the other and ask the question and see if they also say no. That's not the way this works. Legislation originates in Congress. It originates in the legislature. That is their job is to legislate. It is filled with legislators. But according to Kamala Harris, when she's president, she's going to give Congress 100 days to act. And then she's just going to declare herself dictator and start declaring policy. That's pretty scary stuff. The American people don't favor this either. Now, the biggest problem for Kamala Harris is that she is trying to out-radical Bernie Sanders, just like, as we will see, Elizabeth Warren is trying to out-radical Bernie Sanders, everybody trying to out-radical Bernie Sanders. So now she's declaring that we should let people vote at age 16. So just to be fair about this, the Democrats are now declaring that we should pay for everybody's college, everybody's health care. You should live in your parents' basement until you're 35. You should never get married. You should be a ward of the state basically until you're ready to leave, like 29, 30 years old. But at age 16, you should be able to vote. So prisoners should vote, terrorists should vote, 16-year-olds should vote. Solid platform you got going here, Democratic Party. Do you believe that Americans should have the right to vote at age 16? I think that there is no question that um, if we are looking at what is going on in our country, we are putting more responsibilities on people at a younger age. And um, the larger number of people that we can involve in the electoral process, um, I think the more robust it would be. You can look at what we are not doing for our students, for our teenagers, and even younger. And I believe that if they had greater political power, maybe we would get our act together mm -hmm. a little bit better than we've been doing. And maybe that's one of the steps toward it. Oh, wow. Okay. So one of the steps is to let 16-year-olds vote. Yes, 16-year-olds who are not in any way fully brain developed. They can, there's a good question as to whether 16-year-olds should be allowed to drive. But no, they should definitely vote. They can't buy alcohol. They can't smoke. They can't do most things without parental permission, but they should be able to vote and have abortions. That's, that's the thing that the Democrats want to make sure of. Now, here's the thing about Kamala Harris. The real problem Kamala Harris has here is not even her policy with her own base. Her biggest problem is that she's super awkward. So, for example, she awkwardly laughs at her own joke. She has, she has the Hillary Clinton problem of when she's in an awkward position, she randomly starts laughing hysterically. And everybody looks at her like, why are you, why are you laughing? This is weird. That happened last night on CNN. Children, seniors, we all need to drink clean air and uh, drink clean water and breathe clean air. <laughs> and, you know, don't don't drink the air. <laughs> when you that, that moment when you awkwardly laugh at your own joke and everyone in the audience looks at you like you're crazy. Yeah, Kamala Harris. I'm not sure that candidacy is going anywhere fast, which, again, is why Bernie Sanders is doing well. Now, in a second, we're going to get to Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who is, of course, Gained enormous credibility in media circles since he mirrors all of their best friends. He went to good schools. He is white. And he says all of the nice liberal things that they like to hear. So we'll get into all of that in just one second. First, losing your hair sucks. Two out of three dudes will experience hair loss by the time they're 35. Introducing Keeps, the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair that you have. These FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting at just 10 bucks per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. 
Getting started with Keeps is really easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a few questions, snap some photos of your hair. A licensed physician will review your information online, recommend the right treatment for you, and then it is shipped directly to your door every three months. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you probably tried them before. You've probably never gotten them for this price. Keeps is only 10 bucks to 35 bucks a month. Plus, right now, you can get your first month for free. That's a hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash Ben. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ben. That is a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash Ben. Keeps, hair today, hair tomorrow. Go check them out right now. No reason to lose your hair if you can prevent it. And you need to act right now so that you don't. Because once that hair is gone, almost impossible for it to come back. So go check them out right now. Keeps.com slash Ben. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Ben. Alrighty, so next up on the Democratic roster of, of wonderful candidates is, of course, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Now, Mayor Pete Buttigieg has been running into a few problems of late. His image is wholesome, clean cut, down with the people. You know, he's just a, he's a small town mayor from Indiana. Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, Gary. That's his image, right? He's Ron Howard from The Music Man. That he, he can't wait for the Wells Fargo wagon to come coming down the street. Oh, please let it be for him. Right? That is that is Mayor Pete's image. He he comes off as though he is from a Norman Rockwell cover. That's the the big blue eyes and the and the tie but no jacket and the whole deal. Right? That's that's his image. Well, right now, his actual kind of attitude is starting to come out, and that is that Pete Buttigieg seems to be an elitist. He seems to be a guy who is most comfortable in the halls of elite folks, which makes sense. He is a member of the elite. This is a guy who went to Harvard undergrad, and then he was a Rhodes Scholar over at Oxford. This is a person who speaks many languages. In, he's the kind of person that the media love. He, he's sort of like John Kerry in this way. The media love John Kerry because John Kerry can speak French. It's the same thing with Buttigieg. Wow, he can speak French. That's amazing. You know who else can speak French? Everyone in France. But Mayor Pete Buttigieg is, is an amazing guy because he's smart. Listen, I'm very much in favor of smart. I like smart. Smart is a quality. It is not a moral quality, however. But if I have an option between talking with someone smart and someone not smart, I will pick the smart human. That's good. I'm glad Mayor Pete is smart. But Sometimes his scorn for folks comes out and he's been trying to hide it and now it's starting to come out. So we've already seen him direct his scorn at people like Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States and religious Christians who are not left leaning in orientation. He now claims to be speaking on behalf of God without apparently having read the Bible, any of the difficult bits. In any case, Mayor Pete got himself in trouble, not really about that over the last week or so. He got in trouble because he took a shot at Bernie Sanders' supporters. Here is what Mayor Pete had to say. I think the sense of anger and disaffection that comes from seeing that the numbers are fine, like unemployment's low, like all that, like you said, GDP is growing. And yet a lot of neighborhoods and families are living like like this recovery never even happened. They're stuck. It just kind of turns you against the system in general. And then you're more likely to want to vote to blow up the system, which could lead you to somebody like Bernie and it could lead you to somebody like Trump. And that's how we got where we are. Okay, so he compares Trump, Trump supporters to Bernie supporters, and he suggests that they want to blow up the system. This sounds exactly like Barack Obama suggesting that people who didn't vote for him were a bunch of bitter clingers clinging to God and religion and xenophobia. It sounds a lot like Hillary Clinton when she said that people who opposed her were moral deplorables. And now he, I mean, that's a big boo-boo. That's not just him ripping on Trump supporters. That's him ripping on Bernie Sanders supporters. 
One of the crucial things that you're not supposed to do in politics is rip on supporters of a particular politician. You can rip on the politician, but supporters support politicians for a wide variety of reasons. Those reasons may be bad. Those reasons may be good. But if you're running for office, the last thing you want to do is say, the supporters of that candidate, those are bad people. Those people are somehow morally lacking. Mitt Romney got in trouble for this in 2012 when he suggested that 47% of the country wasn't going to vote for him anyway because they didn't pay income tax. Now, there was a lot of truth to that, but it seemed as though he was making some sort of moral judgment about people who did not pay income tax, suggesting that they were thus dependent on the government and therefore didn't have the moral backbone to vote for him. Anytime you rip a giant crowd of people that way while running for office, it's a mistake. And Pete Buttigieg has been trying to atone for that ever since. It is also true that as Buttigieg rises in the polls, he's up to about 14% in Iowa, apparently, which is a massive jump. According to the latest polls, only five points back of both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. He's running in a very solid third place right now, out of nowhere. He was, he, people are starting to ask, hey, why don't you have like policies? Like, why don't you have any policies on your website? So he was asked about this, and his answer was because policy would make me not look all that great. You've got a website up, but uh, when I go to it, I don't see yet um, kind of where Pete Buttigieg stands. When do you expect that to be up? And where where does Pete Buttigieg stand? On well, we've issues? made it very clear where I stand on the major issues, and uh, we've been putting up a search tool so people will be able to uh, search video uh, based on whatever keyword they care about. We're trying to run a non-traditional campaign. So even though this is going to be a highly substantive and specific campaign, we're not going to inundate people with the minutia of policy before they understand exactly what the big ideas are, the values that motivate our policies, and the impacts they're going to have on the ground. Okay, so that is a giant, long word salad about why he doesn't actually have any policies. Don't worry, as time goes on, he will have policies, but he hasn't had any so far. His whole goal in this campaign is to avoid talking policy, because if he talks policy, he's either going to have to look moderate or he's going to have to look radical. And right now, he would prefer to look neither and just get all of the rich media attention he has been receiving. He wants to run a Beto O'Rourke 2018 Senate campaign. He does not want to run a Bernie Sanders campaign. Also, as Pete Buttigieg rises in the polls, the guns are starting to turn on him. So last night during his CNN little town hall, Pete Buttigieg was asked about the fact that while he was mayor of South Bend, Indiana, one of his rather unpopular policies among minority communities was bulldozing houses owned by minority homeowners in order to gentrify. And this, of course, is not okay with the woke crowd in South Bend. Now, the way to defend this is, I was trying to improve the area. These houses were not occupied. If you haven't been paying your bills, the houses get bulldozed. If you want to improve an area and make it not a high crime area, if you want to make sure that businesses can relocate into low-income into low neighborhoods, if you want to make life better for everybody, Sometimes that means that you have to seize houses that people are living in but not paying for and bulldoze them. But that's not what Pete Buttigieg says. Instead, he's apologizing for his record. As soon as you start apologizing, you're in serious trouble. This is what Bernie Sanders knows, which is why it's good. He has no legislative record and also will never apologize for being communist warm. Here is Pete Buttigieg, though, immediately apologizing for his gentrification plan in South Bend, Indiana, which, after all, is maybe the only thing he did in South Bend, Indiana. Number one answer I heard citywide, but also an answer I heard in particular from people living in minority and low-income neighborhoods, was uh, do something about the vacant, boarded up, and collapsing houses around me. In particular, what we found is that our policy tools didn't do a great job at first of being able to tell the difference between a sort of big, bad, out-of-town landlord who just thought of these houses as lines on a spreadsheet and never even visited South Bend, and somebody who 
maybe had three or four properties in town as investments, or one area where we had a lot of issues was somebody would buy a house believing they could fix it up and not even know that it was on the vacant and abandoned list and that we were coming in to demolish it. Okay, so you know, there, is, there is Buttigieg basically explaining away and also apologizing for his policy. In just a second, we'll talk about what Buttigieg's candidacy really is about and why he is popular right now and why I don't think that will last. And then we have to get to the Native American princess, Elizabeth Warren, who also joined CNN. We have talked Sri Lanka, a lot coming up. First, let's talk about saving some money. I may disagree on politics, but we can all agree that we should save some money. And this is why you need to be using Honey. Honey is a free shopping tool that automatically saves you money by searching the internet for the best promo codes whenever you shop online. That means you get the best deals without even trying on sites like Amazon, eBay, Walmart, Macy's, Domino's, and more. I I use Amazon all the time. I've saved money on free weights, which we got for exercising. I have saved money on child products because we get that sort of stuff for my kids all the time. Honey does all of this stuff for you automatically. It always applies the biggest discount right at checkout. Honey has over 10 million members, over 100,000 five-star reviews. Honey members have already saved more than $800 million, which is not bad for something that is completely free and just takes two clicks to install. Never worry if you're overpaying again. With Honey, you can shop with confidence knowing you're always getting the best deal. Again, I my family uses Honey all the time. I installed it. It just runs in the background of my computer. I don't even think about it. It's great. There's no reason not to add Honey to your browser today. It is free to use. It installs in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Ben. That is joinhoney.com slash Ben. Honey is the easiest way to save money while shopping online. You can shop with confidence. You're always going to be getting the best deal. Joinhoney.com slash Ben. That is joinhoney.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, we have more coming up on Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren. We'll get to all of that in just a second. First, you need to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. For $9.99 a month, you can get the subscription. It means you get all of the glories of the Ben Shapiro Show, two additional hours a day. This week, I'm not doing the two additional hours because it's Passover. Next week, I will be back on doing the two additional hours. And you can check out two additional hours anyway this week with Jason Rance from Seattle and Michael Moles. We have all sorts of great material coming. Also, when we do the mailbag, you get to be part of the mailbag. And when you get the annual subscription, you get this, the very greatest in beverage vessels. View it, cast your eyes upon it, behold the wonder, leftist tears hot or cold tumbler. It is magnificent. Also, I have some other news. You need to go buy a copy of Another Kingdom. Andrew Clavin's book, based on the popular series, is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is receiving rave reviews. I've read it. It's really great. If you haven't done so, order your copy of Another Kingdom right now. You are going to enjoy it. Go check out Another Kingdom right now. Plus, today, Daily Wire producing lots of content. Michael Knowles is speaking over at Cal State Los Angeles. Now, last time one of us went to Cal State Los Angeles, there was a riot. So we will see how it goes with Michael Knowles, who last time he went out on the road was shot with some sort of mysterious liquid. Unfortunately, he was not injured. But nonetheless, he will be trying it again today at Cal State Los Angeles. So head on over to Cal State LA at 3 p.m. You can see Knowles give his latest GAF campus tour speech, Young America's Foundation tour speech on illegal immigration and building the wall free event at the University Student Union Theater located at 5154 State University Drive. If you can't make it in person, you can watch it live stream on the Daily Wire Facebook page and the Daily Wire YouTube channel. So go check that out right now. Also, check us out over at YouTube or iTunes. Leave us a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All right, so we've been talking about Mayor Pete on CNN. And Mayor Pete's real appeal to the left media is threefold, well-educated, articulate, gay, and purportedly religious. When I say purportedly religious, I assume that he believes in God. I assume that he goes to church. 
But when I say purportedly, I mean he obviously does not believe in central propositions of the Bible. He's in favor of late-term abortion and same-sex marriage on a private level, obviously, So, and on a public level. So none of those things mesh well with biblical text. So if you're a biblical-believing Christian, it is difficult to take these positions. But because Buttigieg proudly speaks as a gay man and as a Christian, somebody who believes in the divinity of Jesus, this means that according to the media, he's a ringing rebuke to the supposed religious intolerance of religious people who have believed in this funny thing called the Bible. See, I'm not a big believer in biblical in biblical belief where you take one half of the stuff and then you just don't believe in the other half of the stuff that's inconvenient for you. I, I'm not a huge fan of that sort of picking and choosing among the things you choose to believe. It seems to me that if you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, you should also believe in the stuff that Jesus said in Romans and Corinthians, for example. And if you're a Jew and you believe that God gave the God gave the Torah at Sinai, you should believe the things that God gave at Sinai in the Torah. Like this seems fairly holistic to me, but for the media, what they would love is all of the guitar playing and pizza eating at church and a little bit of God talk that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, the same sort of stuff that you would get on any self-help tour from anybody. Just this self-help touring guide is God. And then also just ignore all of the injunctions about moral behavior. So Pete Buttigieg, that is his candidacy. That is his appeal. And he, he sort of admits this. He said yesterday on CNN that if he hadn't come out of the closet, he would not be running for president. Now, he doesn't mean it the way that it comes out, but that is obviously true. If he were a straight white male who was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, no one ever would have heard of him. No one would care about him. He would just be a normal, articulate mayor from South Bend, Indiana, a heavily Democratic area that votes 80-20 Democrat in every presidential election. That would be it. South Bend is not ranked among the top 150 cities in population. He has not done some masterfully outstanding job in South Bend that is worthy of national note. He is prominent because he is smart. He's prominent because he is articulate. And he is prominent because he is gay. This is obvious. And, Bur and Buttigieg sort of acknowledges this, although he says, no, it's just his homosexuality, which gave him the impetus to run. Okay, I don't care what gave him the impetus to run. The reason people are paying attention to him is because he is gay. Were he not gay, he would be Martin O'Malley. And the candidate in 2016 on the Democratic side who never got more than his immediate family to support him. Here is Pete Buttigieg. In 2015 at 33 is when you came out publicly. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think your life would be different if you had come out before that? I started really thinking about how you only get to live one life. And, uh, uh, and I came out and I started dating and, uh, and I found Chastin. And even though in the past I was mystified by the idea of how anybody, any of my fellow mayors or elected officials ever managed to do that job and also uh, be, be in relationships and be married. Um, I don't know how I'd do this without them. So I guess another way to answer your question is uh, I would not be running for president today if I hadn't come out. Okay, that is also probably a lie. I mean, the fact is that he was awarded most likely to become president in his high school yearbook. He's been constructing his resume since he was in high school and junior high to be president of the United... All that's fine. Ambition is fine. I don't have a problem with ambition. The founders thought ambition was good. The point that I'm making is that his appeal, obviously, in the intersectional culture of the Democratic Party, lies in the fact that he is a gay man. Now, what is truly amazing about Buttigieg, again, he's smart, but there's a, a strong streak of hypocrisy that runs through his candidacy. He has now spent weeks attacking Mike Pence for no reason. He keeps saying that Mike Pence hates him. There is no evidence Mike Pence hates him. He keeps saying he's been victimized by Mike Pence. Mike Pence has never victimized him. When asked about him coming out of the closet, Mike Pence, when asked about Buttigieg coming out of the closet, Mike Pence said he's a good man. Mike Pence personally called Buttigieg when he was activated for the military. Mike Pence has never said a bad word about Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg has said many bad words about Mike Pence, including calling Mike Pence an ungodly person, 
which again is a, is a, a relatively amazing statement when no one is suggesting that Pete Buttigieg is, un- I don't think Pete Buttigieg is ungodly. I think he's a sinner like all the rest of us and him purporting to speak in the name of religion while simultaneously declaring that fundamental precepts of that religion no longer apply. That seems hypocritical to me at best, but that doesn't mean he's irreligious. I think he believes what he believes. I think we all believe what we believe. But Buttigieg has been attacking Mike Pence, and then he pretends as though Mike Pence is attacking him. He did that routine last night. Richard Grinnell, who is the ambassador to Germany, nice guy, I know Rich, uh, Rick Grinnell, and Rick is over in Germany right now, and he answered for Mike Pence. He's a gay man. He answered for Mike Pence. He said Mike Pence does not hate gay people. And so Buttigieg now suggests that Grinnell is attacking him. All of this is really, really dishonest. Gotten into kind of a back and forth, a public back and forth between Vice President Pence and yourself over the issue of discrimination against LGBTQ people and faith. Uh, the current ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, who's also gay, uh, he weighed in on this, saying that you have been, quote, pushing this hate hoax along the lines of Jesse Smollett for a very long time now, several weeks. How do you respond to that? I'm not a master fisherman, but I know bait when I see it, and I'm not going to take it. Oh, well, you know, he knows bait. Well, you were the one chumming the waters, dude. You're the one who started this fight. There was no fight between you and Pence. You decided you were going to say a bunch of stuff about Pence. Pence responded, and they're like, oh, no, I don't, I'm not the kind of person who engages in that sort of fight. Buttigieg's most shocking comment, I thought, is when he suggested, he said, God has no political party, which, of course, was a suggestion that God is probably, if he had to take an opinion, he is apparently, he's got no opinion on late-term abortion, apparently. Here is, here is Pete Buttigieg talking about God and politics. And I get that one of the things about scripture is different people see different things in it. But at the very least, we should be able to establish that God does not have a political party. Okay, now that is true and it is not true. God, it's true, God does not have a political party. However, if you are a religious believer, God does have a series of principles and morals, and those principles and morals are embedded in politics. So for example, I can say God is anti-abortion. How do I know that? Because God says so a lot. I can say that God is in favor of traditional sexual morality. How can I say so? As a religious believer, okay? Again, I'm speaking only in the context of religious belief. So if you're an atheist and you're sitting there shouting at at your phone or at your radio right now saying, well, God doesn't exist. That's not my point. You can believe what you want. I'm not talking about public policy. I'm talking about Buttigieg's statement, which is a religious statement that God has no political party. Okay, so assuming there is a God and assuming you are working within the Judeo-Christian framework of that God, God does have principles and morals embedded in the Judeo-Christian system. He's not a pantheist, presumably, Pete Buttigieg. He's not somebody who believes that God is just in the universe. He's not a deist. He, he, He says he's a Christian. Okay, so if he's a Christian, you would have to look at, you know, scriptural sources. And there's very little in the way of scriptural sources that suggest that God is in favor of killing, killing babies late term, which Buttigieg has supported, that God is in favor of same sex marriage. God is pretty clear not. That God is in favor of abolishing the, se- about the notion of biological sex, as the transgender rights movement seems to want to do in law. That God would be against all of those things. So I don't know which party God would vote for because God doesn't vote. He doesn't have to. He's God. But I can say there are a bunch of values that Pete Buttigieg stands for and has openly articulated that Judeo-Christian values do not mesh with. Now, again, if you're not a Judeo-Christian value person, that's fine. If you don't believe in the Bible, that's your thing. Fine. I'm not making the case you cannot vote for Pete Buttigieg. I'm making the case that Pete Buttigieg's case that God is not political in any way is just a lie. It's just not true. There's an inherent politics to religion, as everyone acknowledges, which is specifically why the media are so enamored of this routine that Buttigieg is doing. It's specifically why they are so enthralled with him, 
because he seems to be speaking from a religious perspective while trying to knock the legs out from under scriptural sources on very, very basic issues, including abortion, including traditional sexual morality, including the the, no, the nature of biological sex, right? All of these things are embedded in Judeo-Christian values. Buttigieg is standing there and saying, as a Christian, I reject all of this. Okay, well, he's free to do so, but that is not a good read of the Bible. It just isn't. And if you ask anybody who is more religiously Christian than I, they will tell you the same. Okay, now, Buttigieg is, is making gains. The person who is floundering, of course, is Elizabeth Warren. So, final candidate who was on CNN last night was Elizabeth Warren. She stopped by to discuss all things campaign related. She has been struggling to gain footing. If she'd run in 2016, I think that she there's a serious shot she would have nom won the nomination, but time passed her by. Like the river of time. You, you never know, she didn't know what was around the river bend, as it turns out. What was around the river bend was apparently anonymity. So our Native American princess, Elizabeth Warren, Senator from Massachusetts, she went on CNN and then she proceeded to dodge a bunch of questions. So she was asked about social security insolvency. Not a single Democrat has a serious answer on social security insolvency, and Elizabeth Warren is no exception. Here she is not being honest about it. Do you have a plan to reform our present social security system to increase its longevity? So I'm really glad you asked about social security, because this is one that reminds you how things have broken apart, because Washington keeps working for those at the top. It's not working for people who are relying on Social Security. So your question was, is this something? The plan is not hard. It's political will to make it happen. I'm willing to take on that fight. It's an important fight. So thank you. Okay, well, that is not an answer. It's a real problem, and I'm willing to take it on. Okay, lady, thank you. That, that, great answer. So, I mean, can you imagine? Think of a politician like a doctor. Can you imagine that you go into the doctor? They're like, doctor, my arm hurts. What can you do about it? They say, you know what? That's a problem I'm willing to take on. They're like, right, but my arm hurts. Well, what should I do about it? Should I have like an x-ray or should we like get it bandaged? And you're like, well, you know what? That's a problem I'm willing to handle. Thanks. Thanks. Super helpful, Elizabeth Warren. Other super helpful, uh, super helpful things she said. She said, we can't wait any longer on the Green New Deal and then refuse to suggest what exactly are the policies she would support under the Green New Deal. Does that include Medicare for all? Does that include a federal jobs guarantee as AOC wants, or does it just mean that we build nuclear power plants? Like, what exactly is she talking about? Nobody knows. It's a buzzword, and she's for it. We're running out of time to make change. We must make change, and we must make it now. Oh, so here's how I see this. Um, I am a strong supporter of the Green New Deal. Um, and, and I want to yeah! tell Okay, yeah, stop her, stop her. This is nonsense, okay. Ah! I love the, the, the hysterics in the crowd clapping, like seals out there in the audience. Oh, she said she's for the Green New Deal. That means she's awesome. Okay, she didn't say anything, guys. She said, it's a problem we have to handle. It's a problem we have to handle. Warren 2020, it's a problem we have to handle. Thank you, Elizabeth Warren. My favorite part of the Elizabeth Warren quiz section here is when she was asked about the fact that she wants to break up the big tech companies and she said, well, yeah, sure. I mean, I like order things from Amazon and everything. Okay, well, if you think the big tech companies are so bad, why are you ordering from Amazon? At least the people who hate Chick-fil-A hate Chick-fil-A enough not to shop there. And she says that Amazon should be broken up. But sure, I get cheap products from Amazon. It's pretty great for the consumer and all. So that's the reason I want to see the two of them broken apart. Do, do you order stuff from Amazon? Sure. You do? What was the last thing you ordered, do you know? Uh, a mailbox. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> and everybody's like, what? Why'd you order a mailbox from Amazon? That's a weird thing to do. Who orders a mailbox, by the way? That's, <laughs> that, is, that is the mark of a, of a non-millennial woman right there. Ordered a mailbox from Amazon. They're like, who even gets mail anymore? Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. So solid stuff there from, from Elizabeth Warren. Okay, meanwhile, I do have to note that the media continued, not one mention last night in the entire night of Sri Lanka. Not one mention the entire night over Sri Lanka in an Islamic radical terror attack that has now claimed the lives of 311 people. Not one Democrat mentions this. Not one. ISIS has claimed responsibility for Sri Lanka. The Sri Lanka's government says it has information that the information the bombers were reacting to last month's terror attack on mosques in New Zealand. I have my doubts that that is true, specifically considering the complexity of this terrorist attack, eight simultaneous suicide bombings. I don't think in 34 days you're able to get a terrorist attack of that magnitude together simply in response to Christchurch. But was Christchurch a bad thing? Of course, Christchurch was a tremendous act of evil. You know what is also an act of evil? Murdering 311 people at church on Easter Sunday. And both of those acts of evil deserve to be condemned with all the enthusiasm that we can muster. I'm only noticing that level of enthusiasm in condemning Christchurch from the left media. And that runs in spite of the fact that Christians are under attack worldwide at a rapidly rising rate. According to Christian uh, Christopher Vondracek at the Washington Times, violence against Christians has been escalating steadily over the past few years, according to international observers. Open Doors USA, a mission for persecuted Christians, estimated that violent attacks on the faithful doubled from 2017 to 2018, approximately 11 Christians dying every day for their faith. Nearly 50 worshipers were killed on Palm Sunday 2017 by bombers who targeted Coptic Christians in Cairo. We're supposed to ignore that because Christians in the West, Ross Dudat has a good piece on this today at the New York Times, because Christians in the West are generally well off, they do real well, and because Christian societies tend to be wealthier, we forget about Christians who are not in Christian societies who are victimized on a regular basis. In Pakistan that same year, nine Christians were killed a week before Christmas by suicide bombers linked to ISIS. Sarah Cunningham, senior director of communications for Open Doors USA, said there's a specific pattern of violence around Christian holy days, such as Easter and Christmas, which obviously is true. But how does the Washington Post respond to all of this with this article? Christianity under attack? Sri Lanka church bombings stoke far-right anger in the West. So weird, weird. I don't remember after the Christchurch attacks and the entire media going nuts and suggesting that this was evidence of widespread Islamophobia rooted in traditional conservative thought. I don't remember them saying, I don't remember them saying Islam under attack. Christchurch attack prompts calls of Islamophobia from far left. I don't remember that. But according to the Washington Post, it's only the far right that is upset about Sri Lanka. There's this article in the Post and they say, to some, it was further proof that Christians in many parts of the world are under attack. Several churches were targeted in Sunday's bombing attack. And they cite Marine Le Pen. And then they cite Germany's far-right alternative for Germany, framing the bloodshed as an attack against Christians. Well, so the hell, what? I mean, like, that's, that, that's what happened. I'm confused. Are we supposed to pretend that it wasn't an attack on Christians? The fact that the Washington Post's first response to this is how dare we focus on the victimized Christians. Obviously, that's just the far right. It shows everything that is wrong with the media and a Democratic Party that have followed the media because the Democratic Party and the media basically merged and are now two. Uh, the, the press are basically the, the press wing of the, the Democratic Party at this point. Okay, time for some things that I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. There's a fantastic philosophy series by a Catholic philosopher named Frederick Copleston. And this was recommended to me. I was at Loyola Marymount University 
last month, I had actually not seen this, which I'm surprised by because it's pretty famous. Uh, there's this, this series called The History of Philosophy. It's 11 volumes. It goes all the way from Greece and Rome up through the moderns. And it's really terrific. I've been, I've been reading it over the holiday and it's really enjoyable. So if you're looking for a broader survey, a deeper survey of Western philosophy, then my own, The Right Side of History, which continues to be on the bestseller charts. Mine is sort of an introduction to the introduction. So if you want to read my book and then read A History of Philosophy, I think they pair really well together. There's a deeper look. It's also, as I say, 11 volumes. That means that it's probably 4,000 pages or 5,000 pages, but it is totally worth going through. I'm enjoying it a lot as I read it. Thanks to the professor at Loyola Marymount who suggested it. Don't want to name you for fear of getting in trouble with your own administration. A History of Philosophy by Frederick Copleston. Go check that out. Okay, time for a thing that I hate. Okay, so on Friday, the New York Times, right before Passover, because this is what they do, every Jewish holiday, the New York Times runs an anti-Semitic piece. This is their favorite thing to do. I don't know why they do this, but they did it. They, they've done it. I think it was last Passover. They did it on Sukkot. Like every time the Orthodox Jews take the day off, they're like, you know what would be a great idea? Let's smack them Jews. So the New York Times ran a piece on Friday by a writer who was reported for the New York Times and edited at the New York Times Magazine. He never acknowledged that Jesus was Jewish, said it was unlikely he was white, and said he was likely to have been a Palestinian. This guy's name is Eric Kopage. He said, as I grew older, I learned that the fair-skinned, blue-eyed depiction of Jesus has for centuries adorned stained glass windows and altars in churches throughout the United States and Europe. But Jesus, born in Bethlehem, was most likely a Palestinian man with dark skin. Um, so, it is true that Jesus probably looked like my father-in-law. He's probably a short Jewish guy of Middle Eastern descent. But he was not Palestinian. You know how I know that Jesus was not Palestinian? Because the term Palestine was invented 400, hundreds of years after Jesus' death. Hundreds of years after Jesus' death, the term Palestine was invented. Okay, so that, that, is, not, that is not accurate. This was called, he was a Judean man. He is described in the Gospels as a Judean man, right? As a Judean. His parents were Judean. And they were Jewish. The term Palestinian originally referred to, referred to Jews. The term Palestinian now refers to Syrian and Jordanian and Egyptian and Saudi Arabs who were living in British Mandate Palestine at the time of the division of that mandate into Israel and Jordan and Transjordan and then the Palestinian areas. That deal was rejected, of course, by the Arab states themselves. But the notion that Jesus was an Egyptian Arab or that he was a Syrian Arab. Arabs were not even in this part of the world at that time. The Arab, the Arab conquest of the region didn't happen until hundreds of years later. The term Palestine was not used until generations later. So he was not a Palestinian man. That's just historically inaccurate. In the 600 plus words of the piece, Jesus is never acknowledged that Jesus was Jewish. Instead, the idea is that Jesus was a Palestinian Arab and thus the Israelis are just like the Romans today, which is pretty anti-Semitic crap. Kopejo pined, now, even though cultures across the world may at times show a Jesus that reflects their own story, a white Jesus is still embedded in the, Christ the Western story of Christianity. It has often become impossible to separate Jesus and white from the American psyche. I'm interested in how white Christians feel about images of Christ. How do you feel about the possibility that Christ may not have looked the way he has been portrayed for centuries in the United States and Europe? If you've seen Christ depicted as a man of color, what was your reaction? Well, I don't know. I mean, every Christian I've ever talked to nods when I say Jesus probably didn't look like an Aryan. I've, I've never met a Christian who's like, how dare you, sir? Jesus looked exactly like a Nordic guy. He looked exactly like a Dane Jesus. Like, I've never met that person. 
Arabs didn't conquer the area until 700 years after Jesus was crucified. Jesus was not an area, was, was not an Arab. And also, the name Palestine only came into existence after Romans exiled the bulk of the Jewish people from Judea in the second century AD. Notice the term AD. That would be after Jesus, right? Second century, long after Jesus lived. And that's when the Roman Emperor Hadrian exiled the Jews. And then he decided to call it Palestine specifically in order to mock the Jews by naming it after their historic enemies, the Philistines. So well done, New York Times. Always, always covering the news in the worst possible way. Pretty impressive stuff. Okay, we will be back here tomorrow and I will see you then. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright, Daily Wire 2019. I'm Michael Knowles, host of The Michael Knowles Show. Democrats kick off a major 2020 town hall by endorsing voting rights for terrorists and rapists. We examine the novel electoral strategy. Check it out at dailywire.com. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers Lifetime Quality Commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DailyWire.